They are 11 warriors. Yes, they are the 11 warriors. The most disciplined and the toughest damn dudes you're ever going to be around. Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Griffin Strom as the 2023 college football season is officially underway. The final game of the 2022 season played on Monday night as Georgia walloped TCU 65-7. to Griffin, if I remember correctly, I believe we both picked Georgia to win, but TCU to cover. And unfortunately, I lost money on that because... TCU did not even come remotely close to keeping that game competitive. Yeah, Dan, like everybody I know is getting all into the the sports betting craze now that things have opened up in Ohio. And and, uh, some of my friends are asking me, you know, who who I, you know, would bet on in that game. And I was like, I think Georgia will win. But man, I I think TCU, like, I I don't think Georgia will cover. And my, my friends ended up betting the opposite way on that. And they ended up proving me very, very wrong because it was, it was not a competitive game remotely. You know, you, you might have gotten excited when, when TCU answered with that touchdown kind of early there, but after that, they they never scored another point. Uh, Sixty-five to seven, man, that is just a, a lopsided national title game. Yeah, I mean that definitely. Uh, you know, we we talked last week about how it was the best semifinals of a college football playoff era. Unfortunately, that was followed up by by far the worst national championship game of the CFP era because that game was just a complete mismatch. I mean, it was you could tell very early on that. TCU was totally overmatched in that game. And if you were on Twitter during the game, you probably saw some tweets from Ohio State players, Ohio State coaches. You know, Taraja Mitchell, he just tweeted, damn, this hard to watch. Javante Jean Baptiste had a tweet that was just man with a sad face. Mark Pantoni had a tweet that was somebody getting kicked in the testicles. <laughs> Ryan Hartline had a tweet that was somebody pouring bleach on their eyes. So for those Ohio State players and coaches, I'm sure though their feelings were shared by many Ohio State fans as well, because to, to watch the game, to watch the way that game played out on Monday night, you couldn't help but sit there and think, man, if a couple more plays had gone Ohio State's way, we'd probably be talking about Ohio State celebrating a national championship right now, because I think Ohio State would have been favored to beat TCU anyway, but to just see how overmatched they look, it certainly validated the idea that the real national championship game was the game that Ohio State and Georgia played nine days before. And for Ohio State to come so close to beating Georgia and then to see how how dominant Georgia looked, I think it, it, we talked last week about whether this year's semifinal loss was more devastating than the 2019 Clemson loss. And I think now that we have the full context of it, it really is because I think, you know, three years ago, that loss to Clemson, that was a hard loss. But I also think you look at it in hindsight and go, they probably weren't beating that LSU team. I mean, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, that was one of the best offenses we've ever seen in college football. Even if Ohio State had beaten Clemson, it would have been really tough for Ohio State to win that game. But you look at the way that game went on Monday night and you go, man, if Noah Ruggles makes that field goal or if Ohio State gets more yardage on its last drive and gives Noah Ruggles a more makeable field goal or if Ohio State gets even one defensive stop in the fourth quarter of that game, there's a good chance that we're talking about Ohio State being the national champion right now. 
Yeah, I think even if TCU had had beaten Georgia by a slim margin, I still think you would have gotten Ohio State fans being like, man, I think Ohio State could beat that team. I, I don't think people would be viewing you know, TCU as, as an unstoppable, you know, Death Star team, even if they had beaten Georgia by a slim margin. But the fact that the game went, you know, just how it did and the domination on the Bulldog side really underscored people that were were thinking, man, this is a missed opportunity. And I think people are are going to be looking at it as such for a long time. And and even Jim Knowles's name was was trending on Twitter for a period of time, Dan, because I think people were saying, you know, I, I, while you can definitely say what Georgia did to TCU made Ohio State's defensive performance not seem quite as bad giving up, you know, 42 points. But at the same time, I think people were were certainly saying, man, if if Ohio State had gotten one more stop on defense, you know, that, you know, th- this thing could have been Ohio State's to lose, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I still look at it and, and say, you know, the defense was the biggest reason why Ohio State lost the Peach Bowl. I, I still look at it at and specifically, I look at the last two games of a year, and then you can even low back to that Maryland game before it. I still look at that and say the defense still has problems. Ohio State's defense needs to be better. Ohio State's defense played well, mostly against bad teams. And so I, I think, you know, the the heat on, on Jim Knowles is, is certainly there, and he's certainly got a lot to prove going into his second year as Ohio State's defensive coordinator. But I also watched that game on Monday night and said, man, Georgia's offense is just really damn good. I mean, I mean, Todd Munkin is a phenomenal offensive coordinator and just the, the game plans that he drew up for both of those games were phenomenal. The play calling was very creative and you could just see it in both games that Georgia did a great job of confusing opponents, getting them out of position to make plays. I mean, we talked about that with Kyle Jones back in December and that's what he talked about is how good Georgia is before the snap of creating confusion that allows them to make plays. And I think that's exactly what we saw in the college football playoff. I mean, I mean, Brock Bowers is a phenomenal tight end, but you know, when you're getting carved up by, you know, Stetson Bennett and Ladd McConkey, those guys are good players, but they're not, you know, elite all world players. So the fact that they're carving you up the way they were, I think speaks a lot to how well coached Georgia is, how sound its offensive game plan is. And you know, I, I do think when I watch that game, it puts Ohio State's defensive performance in perspective a little bit to be like, well, Georgia's offense is really good. I mean, we said this before the Peach Bowl that there was so much attention on the Georgia defense and deservedly so. And in that sense, Ohio State's offensive performance looks all the more impressive now after watching Georgia stifle TCU and hold them to only seven points. I think for CJ Stroud to play as well as he did against that defense, I think that performance has only been elevated after what we saw on Monday night. But I think, you know, the the defensive performance, while still not up to Ohio State standard, while the defense's lack of ability to make stops if a game on the line is still the reason why Ohio State lost that game. It's also like, yeah, Georgia's really good. Like they have a really good offense. So it was always going to be hard for Ohio State to really shut Georgia down in that game. They they only needed to be a little bit better, and they'd probably be celebrating a national championship right now. And certainly, there is an expectation for Ohio State's defense to be better than it was at the end of the season. But I also think it does go back to the point of, hey, let's give Georgia credit here. They, they're, they're a really well-coached offense. They played really good football. 
They were the most complete team in college football this year. Ohio State was the only team that really came close to ever beating them. You know, I, mean, I know Missouri gave them a scare. Kentucky, I want to know how Kentucky shut them down to 16 points because that offense sure looked sure looked hard to shut down the way it played those last two games. But, you know, I, I think, you know, there's, there's no doubt coming out of that game that Georgia is the best team in college football this year. But man, Ohio State came pretty close. Yeah, and what we were wondering, you know, towards the end of that game was, was where is Ohio State going to fall in the, the final AP poll of the year? You know, kind of a an important historical thing when you look back and, and see, you know, how teams stack up year by year. And, you know, 60, 63% of the voters on our site, we put up a poll, thought that Ohio State should be ranked second. Ohio State ends up being ranked fourth in the both the AP and the coaches poll. Dan, I certainly think that if you had only seen the, the CFP games this year, you're saying, yeah, I mean, Ohio State's obviously number two on that final poll, right? But then, you know, it becomes difficult because, of course, Ohio State lost to Michigan, you know, in its in its last game before the CFP. But then, but then you've got TCU beating Michigan. But then Ohio State played, you know, Georgia so much closer than TCU, so it makes it hard to kind of stack all those things up. I can certainly see both arguments, but Dan, where do you fall on the matter, and where would you have put Ohio State if you were a voter? Yeah, maybe an unpopular opinion among our listeners, but I think the voters got it right. If I if I was a voter, I would have put Ohio State fourth. I mean, TCU won 13 games. Michigan won 13 games. Ohio State won 11. So, you know, to me, I, 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 I've always viewed the rankings, particularly the end of year rankings, as a measure of what a team has accomplished. Not, not a, you know, again, if, if I was picking Ohio State and TCU to play in a game right now, who would I pick to win? I would pick Ohio State. But in terms of what those teams accomplished this year, TCU accomplished more than Ohio State. Michigan accomplished more than Ohio State. So in my opinion, the poll's exactly the way it should be. And, and Ohio State fourth is where Ohio State belongs. And Dan, I know, you know, we're talking about this being such a missed opportunity for Ohio State and, and you know, a, a championship window and things of that nature. But Ohio State and a lot of the and I know you hate this term, Dan, the, the, the way too early top 25s that, you know, begin getting churned out as soon as the season ends. A lot of those have Ohio State somewhere between number two and number six in terms of next season, which, you know, is still awfully good when when you consider, you know, everything Ohio State stands to potentially lose a CJ Stroud and things of that nature. But, you know, some some things have both Michigan and Penn State ranked ahead of Ohio State at the same time. What do you make of, of some of those rankings and your thoughts on maybe where Ohio State should be at, you know, in some of those lists? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the first time in quite some time that I can remember seeing rankings like this where Ohio State, at least by some writers, was picked to finish third in the Big Ten East. But I kind of get it. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that necessarily I would put Ohio State behind Michigan and Penn State right now, but I mean, I mean, Michigan. You 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 look at what they're bringing back next year. You know, Blake Corum just announced that he's coming back for another year. You know, JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. I think Michigan's probably going to have the best backfield in the country next year with those three guys, and you know they've brought in a lot through the transfer portal. Now there's obviously the Jim Harbaugh question, which I'd have to say, I, I don't know that I would bet quite as much money on Jim Harbaugh still being the Michigan coach now as I would have a week ago, because when we recorded our podcast a week ago, I had no idea that Michigan was about to be hit with 
NCA violations, which may give Jim Harbaugh more of a reason to actually want to leave Michigan. So, you know, that's all a question. And obviously that could change things for Michigan. But I think if you just look at them on paper right now, I think there's plenty of reason to believe that Michigan is going to be one of the best teams in college football and a very real threat to win the Big Ten again. And then Penn State, I I think Penn State's a team to watch next year. You know, I, I think Drew Auer could very easily prove to be an upgrade over Sean Clifford and take Penn State's offense to another level. And, you know, they've got really two really good young running backs, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. They've got a, a, a lot of good talent returning on that team. And so I think Penn State's going to be a contender there in the Big Ten as well. And so, you know, I, I think Ohio State, I mean, you know, we know Ohio State is still, it's going to be right up there with Georgia and Alabama for one of the most talented rosters in the sport. And that's why if you look at the national championship odds for next season, most of them have Ohio State third behind Georgia and Alabama. But, you know, I, I think the, the road to winning the Big Ten, the road to being a top four team next year is going to be challenging for Ohio State. There's a lot of things that Ohio State is going to need to do well to, to get to that point. And so, you know, I, I mean, I think I think you can easily justify putting them anywhere from first to sixth if you're ranking them for for next year. Yeah, and let's talk about one big splash Ohio State move made in the transfer portal. I believe it was like not long after we finished recording last week's podcast on Tuesday, which of course, you know, some some bit of big news always has to happen right after we finish the podcast for the following day. But, you know, this will be something that will potentially aid Ohio State in its quest for a Big Ten title next year, which is the addition of Syracuse safety Jihad Carter, who was ranked as, as the top safety in the transfer portal at the time. He was a freshman All-American, Dan, in, in 2020. I believe he led the Syracuse defense in turnovers created this past season certainly seems like a guy who could step in and be a starter for Ohio State right away. And it sounds like he might step in in that nickel role for, for Tanner McAllister, who's obviously an outgoing member of the Ohio State secondary this offseason. Yeah, really the, the first big move for the Buckeyes in the transfer portal. Obviously, they have added a couple specialists through the portal, but the first position player that Ohio State has added in the portal this year being Syracuse safety, Jihad Carter, a guy who was a freshman All-American back in 2020. I think he was a honorable mention All-ACC last year. Certainly a guy who I, I think is going to come in and certainly compete for a starting job. You know, Ryan Day has said that they're not going to guarantee starting jobs to transfers, but you'd certainly think with both Ronnie Hickman and Tanner McAllister leaving that he's going to have the inside track for one of those jobs. He did play a lot of his snaps in the slot at Syracuse. So I think most likely he's a guy that's going to slot in as a replacement for Tanner McAllister at that nickel position, but he's a guy who could have some positional flexibility. He could potentially play one of the other safety spots as needed. He could potentially even move out to cornerback if, if needed. He's played a little bit out there. So, you know, I think a very good addition, you know, he was ranked by 24 seven sports as the top safety in the transfer portal. And so I, I think he's a, a, a high quality ad addition at a position where Ohio state is going to have some attrition, you know, at the time we're recording, there still hasn't been any official word from Leif and ransom on whether or not he's going to return or enter the NFL draft. And so, you know, we'll see how that ultimately goes, but you know, I think certainly the door is open for 
a transfer like Jihad Carter to come in and immediately earn a starting job in that secondary. And then obviously there's still a lot of decisions to be made in terms of Ohio State's personnel, you know, in the coming weeks and whatnot. But as of right now, just five outgoing transfers for Ohio State. That is Javante Jean-Baptiste, J.K. Johnson, who is, is headed to LSU, Taraja Mitchell headed to Florida, Jansen Dunn, Jalen Johnson, we we learned is, is headed to Memphis, I believe. And, you know, when you look at some other teams around the country in the the laundry, the long, you know, list of outgoing transfers, that is not not terrible for the Buckeyes. Not at all. Yeah. I think if if Ohio State gets through the first transfer window and there's still another week to go before that will close. But if Ohio State gets through the first transfer window with only five transfers out, that that's a win for for Ohio State. Now, I would anticipate there will certainly be more movement after the spring. You know, if you look at some of the positions on a roster, whether it be, you know, wide receiver or offensive line, you know, there's there's some positions where there's kind of a log jam of bodies there. And so I, I certainly think that we will see some more transfers out for Ohio State after spring practice, as it will probably become clear for some guys that they're going to be buried on the depth chart and they need to go elsewhere if they want to earn playing time this year. But I think to be where they're at right now of having only lost five guys, I, I know that's among the lower numbers of outgoing transfers in the country, at least among power five teams. And so, you know, that is something I've given Ryan Day credit for in the past that I think, you know, Ohio State has done a good job of keeping transfer movement low and, and keeping, you know, that kind of attrition low. You, you know, you're always going to, you're always going to have, you know, transfers in, in today's day and age, transfers are a part of a world, but, you know, I, I will still see, I still will see after any time, any guys transfer, you, you'll see the responses of what's wrong with Ohio state's culture and, you know, what's going on here. And, Realistically, if, if you're still in that mindset, you, you've got to break out of it because we live in a transfer world now. Like if, you know, if 30 guys enter a transfer portal, then there's probably a problem. But, you know, five transfers, even 10 transfers in a year now, that stuff's going to become commonplace. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, those are things you just have to realize are, are part of a sport now and are not indicative of any you know, culture problem within a program. And and I think really, you know, if you look at these transfers, I don't think any of them are shocking. I mean, Jansen Dunn and Jalen Johnson were both guys who were buried on the set safety depth chart and probably weren't going to be in line for significant playing time next year either. Taraja Mitchell, Javante Jean-Baptiste, they're both six-year guys who, you know, I, I don't know how those conversations necessarily went, but I imagine... I imagine there were frank conversations between them and the Ohio State coaching staff. Hey, if they came back next year, they still probably weren't going to be starters. So if they're going to continue their college football careers, it makes more sense for them to go somewhere else where they have a chance to play a, a bigger role than they will at Ohio State next year. Now, I think the most notable one certainly is, is J.K. Johnson because he did play the third most snaps among cornerbacks this year. Actually, I think he played the second most snaps among corner because Cameron Brown was hurt for a lot of the year. You know, when Cam Brown was back, he was the number three corner and certainly would have been a guy who would have been competing for a starting job at corner next year, along with Jair Brown and, and Jordan Hancock. But I don't think this one came as a shock for 
you know, Ohio State, you know, him going to LSU, his high school coach, Robert Steeples, is now the cornerbacks coach at LSU. So, you know, I think that's a lot of the appeal there for him to transfer to LSU. And so I I think Ohio State was was prepared for that one. Certainly, if you look at the cornerback depth, they only have six scholarship corners on the roster for next year. And so when you think about potential additional moves in the transfer portal, I think corner is certainly a position that you look at as one where Ohio State could stand to add another player, whether that be somebody who can come in and start opposite Denzel Burke or whether it's somebody who can just add additional veteran depth. I think the the biggest need that remains in the transfer portal for sure is offensive tackle. The news just became official Tuesday, as expected, that Paris Johnson Jr. entered the NFL draft Dewan Jones also going pro. And so you look at a position where Ohio State could still really, really use a transfer addition. I think offensive tackle remains at the top of that list. Ohio State has offered four offensive tackles since the transfer window opened, but all of those offensive tackles have now gone elsewhere as Jarrett Kingston, the last of those tackles who are still on the board signed with USC on Tuesday. And so there aren't really any clear options left for Ohio State in the current transfer portal window at offensive tackle, which means they might have to go through spring practice with the guys they have now and then reevaluate in the post-spring transfer window in May if there's anyone out there then who can help them and whether that be, you know, bringing in a new starter if somebody struggles during spring or adding some more depth uh, with a veteran who might leave a program after spring practices. Yeah, Dan, I know for me personally, in terms of my expectations for Ohio State next season, I mean, the the, the tackle situation is going to go a long way in kind of determining that because that is certainly one of the biggest questions, biggest storylines going into next year with Ohio State, as you mentioned, losing its two starting tackles over the offseason. But let's talk about some guys, Dan, that are coming back for Ohio State and, you know, announced in various degrees of, of cryptic social media posts and things of that nature. Cade Stover, Mayan Williams and Xavier Johnson all coming back to Ohio State, which I think is big news for the Buckeyes. But, you know, we, we heard rumblings, you know, before the end of the season that, that that Cade Stover was, you know, maybe considering going pro, obviously, with him having the the injury late in the year, not his his best perform. Obviously, he barely played again. You know, in the CFP semifinal in the Michigan game, wasn't his 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 brightest moment either. So so him coming back with another year, we saw what what Cade Sober could do at his best this season. Really, a breakout season for him as a tight end, and I think could significantly boost his his own stock, especially considering that this is a you know a, a, a nice class for tight ends as well. Mayan Williams, Dan, at times looked like the best running back on the Buckeye roster. Uh, You think of that 189-yard, five-touchdown game against Rutgers. He will be back for the Buckeyes. That that seems to solidify what could be, you know, when healthy, Dan, that running back room could be very, very, you know, lethal for Ohio State next season. And Xavier Johnson, a guy that, you know, I talked to for about five, six minutes at Media Day in Atlanta about his, you know, decision and what he was weighing and his options to come back. I certainly got the sense that he was probably going to come back because it sounds like Ryan Day and Brian Hartline are really on board to to kind of devise a, a bigger role for him next season. And it seemed like every time he touched the ball, he was making a big play this year, Dan. And he he certainly had some some highlight real touchdowns this season, both you know as a, as a running back and as a wide receiver. 
I think that, that they'll, you know, try to use him more in that role and kind of flesh out a role where he can play both of those positions, you know, in, in kind of a hybrid fashion. Yeah, I put the stat in our story about Xavier Johnson returning on Monday. He had 297 yards and three touchdowns on just 25 total offensive touches this year. That's a, that's, that's a pretty good number. So Xavier Johnson, I, I think that's, you know, you know, Cade Stover, Mayan Williams, certainly going to get more of the attention here among the guys who announced they would return early in the week. But Xavier Johnson, I, I think that's notable as well. I think he's a really good player, you know, and it's, it's interesting, you know, sometimes you read, I read some of the, you know, comments from fans and, you know, I think there's some people that are out there that are kind of like, if if Xavier Johnson is playing over all these four and five star recruits, then that's a problem. But I disagree with that notion because I think Xavier Johnson's a really good player. Like I, I don't think Xavier Johnson is playing out of charity, nor do I think he's playing necessarily because other guys aren't coming along. I think he's playing because he's proven every time he gets an opportunity whether it's at wide receiver, running back, special teams, wherever they put him, he seems to make plays. And so I, I think Xavier Johnson has more than proven that he's an Ohio State caliber player and somebody who can genuinely help Ohio State's offense. And so I think to have him back, you know, what's his role going to look like? It's hard to say because you look at running back and wide receiver right now, Ohio State is loaded at those two positions for 2023 because they're, they're really not losing anything right now at either of those positions because he, the only wide receiver that they're really losing from his past season is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who didn't really play at all this past season. Running back, they're set to return everybody. Oh, and, and then at wide receiver, they're also bringing in an absolutely loaded freshman class of four wide receivers, including a five-star recruit in Brandon Innes and a couple other guys, Carnell Tate and Noah Rogers, who I think are real candidates to push for immediate playing time. And so you look at you look at the offense as a whole. Obviously, quarterback's a major question mark. As, as we sit here recording on Tuesday, CJ Stroud has not made any official announcement on whether he will enter the NFL draft, but we are going to assume that CJ Stroud is entering the draft because that's always been the expectation. But you know, you have quarterbacks a big question mark. Offensive tackles, a big question mark with Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones both leaving. Interior offensive line, again, as we sit here recording right now, neither Luke Whippler nor Matt Jones has made any statement on whether they are staying or leaving. And so what they ultimately decide is certainly going to have a big factor on what the interior offensive line is going to look like next year. But if you just look at those other skill positions in terms of weapons, I mean, at running back, you got... Mayan Williams is back. Travion Henderson's back. Dallin Hayden's back. Evan Pryor comes back from injury. Chip Trainum might still be in a running back room. And then at wide receiver, you've got Marvin Harrison's back. Emeka Buka's back. Julian Fleming's back. Xavier Johnson's back. And then you've got all these other young guys trying to earn playing time at those spots. That's certainly going to help a young quarterback, whether that be Kyle McCord or Devin Brown to have all those guys around him and should mention the tight ends as well. They lose Mitch Rossi there, but I think Cade Stover coming back, that tight end depth chart certainly looks a lot better with Cade Stover coming back than it would without him. Cause you've also got guys like G Scott and Joe Royer who are going to be trying to, to earn more playing time at that tight end position. And so I think the depth at those skill positions is really promising. And 
gives reason to be optimistic about Ohio State's offense next year with the understanding that a lot of it is going to depend on the quarterback play and the offensive line. Yeah, Dan, let's get into this to a little bit of some, you know, 2023 roster outlook here. You know, you just mentioned a lot of these position groups, but obviously the the battle is going to begin here in short order at quarterback, you know, assuming CJ Stroud. I mean, even like Dan, even in the locker room after the Peach Bowl, like Marvin Harrison was was talking about CJ Stroud as if he was, you know, already gone. So, I mean, it would be the shock of all shocks if, if CJ Stroud, you know, throws a curveball at us and, and decides to come back. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think it is safe to look ahead at next year as the Kyle McCord and Devin Brown battle. Obviously, you also have Keenholds coming in, you know, kind of a, a late addition to that class. I, I mean, honestly, though, everything Garrick's said about Keenholds has, has made me really you know, a lot more excited than I probably would have been otherwise. And then seeing some of his his plays in the All-American Bowl and things like that, he certainly seems like a, a guy who could potentially, you know, at some point, you know, operate that offense for Ohio State. But Dan, you know, I, I talked to, to Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, both at Media Day in Atlanta as well about kind of their relationship, you know, the 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 the, the forthcoming battle there to become QB1. I mean, none of, the, none of those guys said anything overly controversial or, or anything, you know, out of line or anything like that, but it's going to be, you know, the, the, really the main, one of the main storylines that we're watching here is as spring, you know, gets underway and not too long. Yeah. I was really impressed by what I saw from watching Lincoln Keenholes in the all American ball. He's a guy who, you know, for one, he, he's got that running ability that I think Ohio state fans are craving in a quarterback right now. He's got that ability to, to do some damage with his legs. And, you know, he, he shows, you know, that, that playmaking ability with his arm as well. So I saying that I don't expect Lincoln Keenholes to be any factor in the quarterback competition this year, because he's not even going to arrive until the summer. And so this is a Kyle McCord versus Devin Brown battle. I think that much is very clear. And I think it's going to be a real competition. You know, I, I, I don't know that I'm ready right now to, to go on the record and say who I think is going to win that competition because I, I do think it's going to be a, a real competition between those two. I don't think you know, I think even two years ago, it felt like it was somewhat of a foregone conclusion that CJ Stroud was going to be the starting quarterback, even though he had never thrown a pass. There was there was always this feeling that it was CJ Stroud's job to lose. I don't know about you, Griffin, but I, I just don't get that same feeling this year. And I, I don't think that's a slight on Kyle McCord. I think that's an endorsement of Devin Brown. And I just I have, you know, Devin Brown, I've I've gotten a vibe from him all along that he's a guy who's going to make his presence felt in this quarterback competition this year. I think he's got a ton of talent. I think he's also got a lot of confidence in himself. And I think he's got a, you know, natural way about him that is going to make people rally around him. And not to say that Kyle McCord doesn't have all of those things too, but I, I'm really intrigued by this quarterback competition because I, I think it's very real. And I, and I think, you know, certainly McCord has the leg up in terms of experience, but I think that this competition really is going to come down to who performs better than the other during the offseason. And when you think about a spring where it's likely going to be only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster, there's going to be a lot of reps to go around for both of those guys to show what they can do. 
Yeah, Devin Brown's certainly a very chipper and kind of positive attitude and outlook, which I think is some of what you're referring to there in terms of his attitude and everything. And even we should mention, even in the the, the bowl practice, the, the final bowl practice before the Peach Bowl, you know, Devin Brown had that highlight. I mean, it was really like upon watching it when somebody had the clip, it was really like a 65-yard touchdown pass to Keon Grays running the some scout team reps 11 on 11 there. Just an example of what Devin Brown can do with his arm. Dan, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on running backs as we already, you know, kind of talked about all of that. But I mean, certainly, I think going into next year, uh, I think a lot of people have forgotten over this past season what a fully healthy 100% Travion Henderson can do, you know, if he's up to to full speed. And I think, you know, the fact that all of those injuries really gave Dallin Hayden a chance to be further along now than he than people would have expected him to be. And you've still got Evan Pryor, who people were really talking about as as being a weapon for the offense this season. If he comes back and gets back to that to the point that he was coming into this season, that's just another guy that's going to be able to cause problems for opposing defenses. Yeah, I talked about Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards potentially being the best running back tandem in the country, but Ohio State could certainly feel slighted by those comments because, I mean, they've got more than a tandem. I mean, they've got a handful of running backs who, I mean, again, I mean, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, Dallin Hayden, all those guys started games. I mean, Dallin Hayden started in the Peach Bowl, and I think we're probably looking at him competing for the number three running back job next year with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams coming back. And so that's a good problem to have. It's 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 certainly going to be a challenging situation for Tony Alford to navigate because all those guys are going to want the rock and there's only one rock to go around. So, you know, you know, can can you keep that all intact? You know, I think, you know, we expect all those five guys to be on the roster now will it necessarily look that way by eight months from now that, that, that that's not for us to say but certainly it's a good problem to have to have all, all these guys who have shown potential to be and again it's really it's almost five and a half running backs because of Xavier Johnson having shown that he can he can play that role as well so it's a great problem to have obviously as we saw last year you know or this this past season, whatever we want to call it, that you you can think you have a lot of depth, and that depth can thin out pretty quickly if you get a couple of guys hurt. And so certainly, you know, that depth is always a good thing. And I'm sure that's something that those running backs are going to be reminded of all offseason as, hey, look at what happened last year. You know, I, I don't think either of us would have expected in any way that Dallin Hayden would be starting in the Peach Bowl, but he did, and, and he proved to when he got his opportunities as a freshman that he's a guy that they're going to have to consider in, in this running back competition next year. And so there's a lot of different things that can happen, but certainly you look at that depth chart on paper right now, you feel really good about it. Wide receiver, as, as you already said, again, basically everybody coming back, right? I mean, obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba leaving, but that was a guy that, that didn't play very many snaps this season. And But you know, behind those main guys, behind the, the kind of the starters plus you know, X there at that at that position. You've got guys like Jaden Ballard. You've got all the all the true freshmen from this past season, the Keon Grays, you know, Kojo Antwi, the Caleb Burton, all, all those guys, Caleb Brown. And then, you know, four more of the, you know, this coming year that are going to be true freshmen, Dan. So, you know, obviously with Brian Hartline's recruiting success here over the last several years, that that room is absolutely loaded. And, uh, you know, I don't want to speculate on anything, obviously, but just for me, the question is, you know, do do any of those guys with all the talent getting loaded in there start to to get antsy at all about opportunities because, you know, it, it wouldn't seem like there's going to be 
a a ton of opportunities for some of those younger underclassmen guys, just given all the talent at the top of the depth chart that's returning next season. To be on on scholarship at that position, and so you, I think you do certainly wonder, you know, is that a spot of potential attrition after the spring? And you know, one thing that I look at at that receiver position is, you know, I look at the guys coming in, guys like I mean, Brandon Ennis is a guy that. I just, every time I see him, I'm impressed. And I just look at him and I go, that's a guy who's got to play as a freshman. I know there's a lot of guys ahead of him on the depth chart in terms of experience, but that's just a guy that I I expect to see on the field as a freshman. And I won't be surprised if Carnell Tate or Noah Rogers or even Bryson Rogers and making a push for some playing time as, as a freshman too. And so I do think, you know, particularly you talk about, you have those four second year receivers who we didn't see play much this past year. And then Jaden Ballard being another guy as well. I think for those five guys, I think this is a big spring. I think, I think those guys need to make a move this spring because if they don't, I think there are young guys coming in behind him who could potentially jump them on the depth chart. Dan tight end, obviously Cade Stover coming back is, is huge for that position room. Keenan Bailey taking over for Kevin Wilson in terms of the position coach there behind Stover, you know, as you mentioned, Mitch Rossi, you know, leaving, but you've got G Scott, you know, is he going to take the next step? Joe Royer as well. He was a guy that people were high on coming into the season. Didn't end up seeing him play a whole lot. Did get some some snaps in the CFP, of course. Got Sam Hart as well. He had what that that one snap in the CFP right when Stover went out. Bennett Christian, a true freshman this year. Jelani Thurman, certainly people very excited for him coming in as a true freshman this season. Dan, thoughts on tight end right now? Yeah, I think they got pretty good depth there. Like locked up before, I think with Kate Stover coming back, you know, we know what they did you know, make a run at Maryland transfer CJ Dupree before he chose Alabama over Ohio State. But I think you look at, you know, what what they have at that position. I I think they're in a pretty good spot there. I mean, this do they have anybody who necessarily fits right into that Mitch Rossi role as kind of that hybrid fullback? I'm not sure, but I think they certainly have candidates that can allow them to continue to do as much multi-tight end stuff as they want to do. Dan, as we we look at the offensive line here, obviously, you know, that is what we're talking about as a a big unit of question as it stands to lose a number of starters over the offseason. As we look at the 2023 roster here, Donovan Jackson coming back, that is certainly a good thing for Ohio State. Luke Whippler, we we still don't know for sure which way he's going to lean. Obviously, he's been Ohio State's starting center for the last two years. Certainly, if he returns, that would give Ohio State a lot of continuity on the interior, Matt Jones could also return. Dan, I know you talked to him about, you know, that that decision on Media Day, I believe. Josh Fryer and Enoch Mahi, those are guys that you're looking at as um guys that could potentially step into starter, if not, you know, just bigger roles in general next year. Aside from that, though, Dan, there's you know a, a lot of names and guys that have been in the program for for several years, but I think maybe not guys that you're absolutely sure could be starting quality players as soon as next season. Yeah. And he mentioned earlier in the show, actually, right as we're recording here, the news just broke that Jarrett Kingston, the Washington state transfer offensive tackle has signed with USC. And so there aren't really any transfer offensive tackle targets left on the board for Ohio state right now, at least not that we know of in, in this transfer portal window. And so it's looking increasingly like Ohio state is probably going to go through the spring with the guys that they have. And I think, 
you know, I, you look at a guy like Zen Mahalski, I think this is a huge opportunity for him because there's a good chance, you know, he's going to be running as the first team left tackle in spring practices. And, you know, this is his chance to, you know, prove that, you know, he's ready to be that starting left tackle for Ohio state. But, you know, if he doesn't have the spring he needs to have, then there's a good chance Ohio State is going to need to look at who enters the portal after spring practices and try to add another offensive tackle then because, you know, they, they really, other than Josh Fryer, don't really have anybody with any experience there at that tackle spot. You know, it's talked about before, you know, the interior offensive line, a lot of it's going to depend on does Luke Whipler come back? Does Matt Jones come back? If so, then they look like they're in pretty good shape on the interior line. If you know, one or two of those guys leaves, then you have some question marks. Okay, is Enoch Vamahi ready to be a starter? Is Jacob James ready to be a starter? Is there a younger guy like a Tegra Shabola or a Ben Chrisman who's ready to step in and, and be a starter? I certainly look at offensive line right now as probably the biggest question mark on this team going into the offseason. And, you know, it's not a lack of bodies. I mean, I think they have eight, 18 guys on scholarship, but there's just not a lot of sure things there. And, and that's, you know, that some of that's to be expected of the offensive line because the backups don't usually play much. So, you know, that's kind of a way it is, but I, I think you couple the attrition from the starting lineup with the fact that Ohio state has had some notable misses on offensive line recruiting in recent years, particularly in Greg Stradrawa's last couple of years on staff. And I think those things combine together to where you now end up in this position where maybe you don't feel great about the next men up on the offensive line because you just haven't developed quite as much depth there as you would like, at least not in terms of guys who maybe they feel right now are ready to be Ohio State starters. Let's talk about how Jim Knowles' second Ohio State defense might look next season, starting with defensive end, Dan. This will will finally be the season that we're you know going to see you know we saw a lot of JT and Jack Sawyer this year but with Zach Harrison going pro JJB entering the transfer portal you would expect to see those guys play even more even more snaps even more reps next season beyond those two guys Caden Curry was certainly a true freshman that made a splash in, in some you know limited moments this year other freshmen this year were, were Kenyatta Jackson and Omari Abor Tyler Friday we don't know what he's going to do next right Dan you know he came back from that that injury this past year we didn't see him a whole lot on the field you know could he add depth to that unit another guy Mitchell Melton who we, we thought you know might step into that that jack role that was talked about so much with the Jim Knowles defense of course he ends up missing the entire season with that injury suffered in the spring game beyond that George Mickens as well a guy that they signed you know on on the the early signing period so certainly i mean at the top of the depth chart dan things look good but perhaps depth may may seem a little light going into next year yeah Joshua Mickens just to correct there on the name but yeah i think you know you, you look at the starters are very promising with JT to Amolowao and and Jack Sawyer Caden Curry certainly a guy who i think has a very good chance to play a notable role in the rotation next year, just based on what we saw from him in limited action. But, you know, the depth there is is a little bit questionable just because we haven't really seen a lot of those other guys play for Ohio State. And I think you, you could say the same thing at defensive tackle, where I think you've got a really strong top three returning with Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, and Ty Hamilton. But we know Ohio State, you know, has liked to rotate on the defensive line. And behind them they don't really have anybody who's really played much 
at Ohio State. Now, you know, I think Hero Canoe's a guy that I look at uh, who could potentially, you know, be a breakout guy in his second year. You know, the same could be true at defensive end, certainly with Kenyatta Jackson and Amari Abor. You know, they have a couple freshmen coming in there at Kate, Caden McDonald and Will Smith Jr. But I, I think the defensive line, you know, if you just think of where what we were looking at last year compared to this year, I think there's a l- little bit more question about the depth on the defensive line going into this offseason. Though I do think between, you know, JT Tuomolawa, Jack Sawyer, Caden Curry, and then Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, that could be a pretty strong top six. And and maybe they, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing if the rotation's a little bit shorter next year, because we did see at times where it's like, okay, it's a key point in the game and, and Ohio State doesn't have its best defensive lineman out there, it may not necessarily be a bad thing per se if the rotation is kept a little bit tighter or there's certainly the possibility that guys like Hero Canoe, Kenyatta Jackson, Amari Abor could have big second years and force their way into that rotation and then you have more depth. Yeah, we're still awaiting word on Tommy Eichenberg's decision. Obviously, you'd think it'd be harder to have a better season than he had this past year, but at the same time, hasn't come out with anything Yet we also don't know if he actually will make any sort of statement on that because he's, you know, a notoriously you know, reserved guy. We do know that Steel Chambers will be back next season. Cody Simon is a guy that kind of feels like a forgotten man in that linebacker room just because of, you know, he he was a starter for for portions of the 2021 season, had kind of a reduced role this past year. And so we'll see what happens with him. Reed Carrico, a guy that hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities, but certainly a talented guy there in the Ohio State linebacker room. CJ Hicks five-star talent, you know, came back from that, that injury late in the season to, you know, appear healthy enough to, to go on special teams like, and things like that. And the CFP Gabe powers as well in that same class with Hicks, Arvell Reese coming in as well. Dan, what do you make of the linebacker rotation? Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, if, if Tommy Eichenberg comes back, you know, you have a clear top two there at a linebacker. And I think as well as Tommy Eichenberg played this, this past season, you'd certainly love to have him back, but I do think, you know, particularly when I look at a guy like CJ Hicks, I think he's a guy that you've got to give him a chance to earn playing time. You've got to give him a chance to earn a role and get him involved. And, you know, I think specifically back to that Georgia game where I think there were times where they could have benefited from having a linebacker who's maybe a little bit stronger in coverage than those starters are. You know, I think, you know, I think, you know, Steele and Tommy are are solid in coverage, but I don't think it's either of the strengths of their game. And so I think that was a game where it could even be a Sonny Styles, you know, coming down and playing linebacker. But I do think there's an opening there for maybe having a role at, at a minimum where you can have a guy who's maybe a better coverage linebacker who can substitute in off the bench and and play in situations where those linebackers are going to be in more coverage situations against tight ends and running backs. And so I think that's something that I'm curious to see in Jim Knowles's second season is especially if Tommy Eichenberg comes back, will he be more open to rotating a little bit more at linebacker and getting some other guys on the field? Or are we going to continue to see a lot of what we saw this past year where it's really just two guys playing every snap? 
Let's get into the secondary here. Denzel Burke, obviously not quite as good a season in, in his sophomore year as he had in that breakout freshman year, but he'll be back for the Buckeyes. Jordan Hancock dealt with you know injuries to the, at the start of the season. Will he look better with a you know a, a healthy offseason, a healthy start to to next season? Jair Brown, a guy that that did get a lot of opportunities as a freshman. You know, we, we mentioned um, J.K. Johnson obviously leaving the room. Um, a guy like Ryan Turner coming in, a true freshman this past year. And then guys that are going to be true freshmen coming in, Calvin Simpson Hunt, Jermaine Matthews, those are both guys that people seem to be pretty high on Dan coming in. Ohio State certainly, you know, the, the cornerback did receive criticism at times this year with some of the big plays given up and things of that nature. So that is certainly an important position group for Jim Knowles and company as well. Yeah, I think it's certainly a position group that's going to get a lot of attention this offseason because I do think they need to be better there than they were this past season. But, you know, I mean, first thing I say, first of all, is like, I I know there's people out there who are down on Denzel Burke and and don't want to see him, you know, continue to be a starting corner at Ohio State. But I think Denzel Burke, after the first month of the season, actually played really well. Like, I don't I don't think I don't think Denzel Burke is the reason why Ohio State secondary had its issues late in the season. I think Denzel Burke, you know, latter half of a season was easily their best cornerback and maybe their best defensive back. And so I think Denzel Burke is is still firmly the number one cornerback on this team going into next season. I think the bigger question is who's going to step up alongside him. I think, you know, we saw some good things from Jair Brown this year. I think, you know, Jordan Hancock's a guy who, you know, really this past year was derailed by injury. And so, you know, can he start to live up to those expectations next year? You know, that's going to be the question, but, you know, I think the door's open. You know, I look at a guy like Jermaine Matthews coming in as an early enrollee and with only six scholarship cornerbacks on the roster, he's going to get a lot of reps this spring. And I think the door's open for him to potentially make a quick move up the depth chart. And I think, you know, based on, you know, everything we've heard about Calvin Simpson hunt, I know he had a really dominant week down at the All-American Bowl. I don't rule out the possibility that he could climb the depth chart quickly and earn playing time as a freshman. And so I think, you know, I, I think it's, it, you know, you would like to have another cornerback or two in that room. And that's why Ohio State should at least keep an eye out on who might enter the transfer portal, particularly in the second transfer window. But, you know, that again could depend on how the spring goes, because I do think there's a lot of promising talent in that room, even if it's largely unproven. At safety, Dan Hickman is gone. Ransom, we are not sure of yet. McAllister as well, also gone. Jihad Carter, as we already talked about, coming in seems to be, you know, potentially stepping into a starting role there. Sonny Styles, a lot of people are going to be excited about what he can do for this defense. You already mentioned that, you know, perhaps that's playing a little linebacker. I'm sure Jim Knowles will will have no problem figuring out, you know, a, a role for for a five star guy like that. Really a freakish athlete, and what he can do on this defense. Cam Martinez, a guy that's you know, had some opportunities over the last few years, kind of been waiting in the wings for a bigger opportunity. Perhaps that will, you know, materialize this season. Court Williams, really a, a strange year for him because of, you know, we, we, they, the team wasn't necessarily, you know, talking about all of his injury issues as they were happening early in the year, but his really his whole year ends up getting derailed there. What role might he have coming back? Kai Stokes, a guy that had a, a huge spring game, really one of the the talking points of the spring game was his performance there. We didn't see him a whole lot this year. Josh Proctor is another guy that we don't know, you know, what he's going to do next. I know you talked to him at media day and it sounds like, you know, he's really thinking about all options said, you know, whether it's next year is at Ohio state, whether it's transferring out, whether it's going pro, it all seems on the table. And then 
you know, several true freshman guys coming in with Jaden Bonsu, Malik Hartford, Cedric Hawkins, who, you know, none of those guys are, you know, five-star guys or anything like that, but certainly guys that people are high on. So it, that, that's going to be a, you know, that's a position where people, you know, we're definitely looking at the the safety group towards the end of the season as, you know, a, a group that was giving up some big plays there late. Yeah, I mean, it's a really important position of his defense. Jim Knowles has consistently said it's a safety-driven defense. And so the safeties need to be really good. And I think for most of this past year, they were really good. But at the end of the season, they weren't. And so, you know, certainly going to be crucial for some new guys to step up in that room. But like you said, I think there's a lot of options there. I think, you know, you know, particularly, you know, we don't know about Josh Proctor, but even if, you know, it, it, let, let's just assume for right now that Leif and Ransom stays and Josh Proctor does not return. You know, I think you've got six guys there in Leif and Ransom, Jihad Carter, Sonny Styles, Cam Martinez, Court Williams, and Kai Stokes, who could all be real candidates for, for playing time at that position next year. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of in, intriguing options. You know, I think like right now, if I was going to predict a starting lineup, I would probably guess that it would be Leif and Ransom at free safety, Sonny Styles at strong safety, and Jihad Carter at the nickel. But I think there's a lot of options there for, you know, Jim Knowles, Perry Eliano, Tim Walton to work with. Yeah, Dan, you know, we've, we've gone almost an hour here. We're going to close up with some some basketball talk for the Buckeyes. The, really the worst week of the season this past week in that Ohio State suffered its its first set of back-to-back losses all season, which, you know, they were right in it with Purdue. They had a lead late, but end up falling victim to that, that you know, full-court press late, which is becoming something of a narrative for this Buckeye team, which has struggled in, in key moments against full court presses this year. And you go from almost beating the number one team in the country to then coming back and suffering, you know, one of the worst losses of the season so far against Maryland on the road. And what was it? A seven point loss, 80 to 73 on Sunday. Of course, Ohio State was without its starting center for most of the Purdue game and all of the Maryland game. You would have thought that that would have hurt hurt Ohio State more against the Boilermakers, but it, it really you know, kind of showed itself more in that Maryland game because Felix Okpara comes in, makes the first start of his college career, ends up picking up three fouls in the first half. And then suddenly, Dan, you've got guys like, you know, Eugene Brown and Isaac Likely guards, you know, Eugene Brown does have length and size at six, seven, but only 195 pounds trying to play center in the big 10. That's just not really a, a preferable option for you. And then Isaac Likely is only a guy at six, five. He, he is a, a stocky guy, a strong guy, but you know, not exactly a, a, a first first option at center in a conference like the Big Ten. So Ohio State ended up really getting, you know, hurt inside in that game, really kind of on, on both sides of the floor. Maryland had 14 offensive rebounds. Ohio State had its its wide, widest, you know, rebounding deficit that it's had all season against Maryland, who out-rebounded them by 14. And then Maryland also got to the line like 33, 34 times, scored well over 30 points in the paint. So that ended up being a real problem for Ohio State. And Maryland is, is far from the, the biggest team that Ohio State's going to play in the Big Ten. Chris Holman did say that, that Zed Key is expected to return relatively soon, but it seems like he, he probably is not going to, to be back probably this week, probably the next couple games, at least for Ohio State moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I think certainly you know, that Maryland game showed the importance of, of how Zed Key is. I mean, I think we've said it all along, but he's you know, one of the two or three most important players on this team, arguably the most important player on the team. And so, you know, I think certainly, 
you know, you you could see the, the evidence of that. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of that being, you know, Purdue goes into the game preparing to play against Zed Key. Maryland probably went into that game preparing to play not against Zed Key. And so Maryland was able to put together a game plan that exploited the lack of Zed Key in a way that Purdue might not have been able to because Purdue was preparing to play against Zed Key. But, you know, certainly it, it does expose Ohio State's lack of big man depth, like you talked about with with guards playing against centers. And, you know, I know I've seen a lot of the comments that we've seen in the past here about Ohio State needs more centers. Why doesn't Ohio State recruit more centers? And, you know, I I understand where that narrative comes from, but, you know, I, I also look at it from the other side. And I think we've talked about this before of, you know, there, there's a trade-off there. And I think not having a ton of true bigs does hurt Ohio State in Big Ten play, but it might help the Buckeyes in March because you get outside of a Big Ten, there's just not as many teams out there that have true centers out there playing. There's a lot of teams that are more guard heavy. And so I think there was a conscious effort by Ohio State to build a roster that has a lot of flexible versatile guard wing types on the, on the team. And, you know, Ohio state is going to hypothetically have three centers next year because Ohio state did sign Austin parks, a center, assuming Zed key and Felix Akpara back, Ohio state would have three true centers next year. And so I think that's still the goal for Ohio state would be to have, you know, three centers. But I, I also think that there's, there is a trade-off there in terms of the things that the way the roster is currently constructed allows Ohio State to do. Yes, it, it might hurt them at times into Big Ten. It certainly hurts them if Zed Key's not out there because you know he's their only true center with any real experience. But I, I also think that in the long run, the versatility that this team has could pay off for Ohio State. Bryce Sensabaugh continues to be, you know, a freshman sensation for Ohio State this season. It seems like he just keeps scoring 20 points in, I think, something like four of his past six games or something like that. He's scored 20. His scoring average just keeps going up. He's up to 16.7 points per game right now. I was looking at, you know, comparing his stats to, to freshmen around the country and past Buckeye freshmen on Monday night. As of when I checked, he was number three in the NCAA in, in freshman scoring, number one in the Big Ten, and I think only three Ohio State freshmen have ever ended a season with a higher points per game average than Bryce Sensabaugh is currently at. And it seems like that that's only going to keep going up. Now, his his defense, you know, his, his defensive deficiencies did kind of show towards the end of that Maryland game because Maryland was able to pick up, you know, a lot of fouls against him late that that allowed the Terrapins to kind of just, you know, make shots at the free throw line and close that one out. But, you know, he continues to be the, the leader offensively in terms of the first option for Ohio State. And I just, I mean, I can't help but just keep looking at him and go, this guy's probably a one and done. This guy's probably another first round pick. And it certainly makes me think of Malachi Branham last year and the rise that he had. And I did ask Chris Holtman about that after the game on Thursday. He he wasn't overly eager to entertain that comparison. And I can understand why, because he probably doesn't want to acknowledge right now the fact that a guy in Bryce Sensabaugh, who I certainly don't think he was expecting to be a one and done, might end up being a one and done. But I, you know, I, I just think that likelihood continues to grow by the week as we continue to see 
you know, Bryce Sensabaugh play against Big Ten teams, play against really good teams and continue to produce at this level. Like you said, he's he has defensive, you know, growth to do. That's certainly the, the biggest area in which, you know, he still looks like a freshman and still has a long way to go in his development. But just the scoring ability, you know, he he has a natural scoring ability that is different from anyone else on this team. And like you said, I think really one of the most gifted, you know, scorers we've seen come into Ohio state in a long time. And I think, you know, that's, that's going to be crucial for the rest of this season. I think it's going to be crucial to Ohio state's chances of, you know, going somewhere in March and accomplishing something, but it could be bad news for next year because there's a good chance that Bryce Sensipa will be playing professional basketball next year. Yeah, I, I think even comparing him to Malachi Branham, like I think Sensabaugh might even be a little more dynamic and athletically dynamic and in terms of his offensive arsenal and the different spots he can get to. You know, Malachi Branham certainly had, you know, this silky smooth mid-range game and, you know, a very developed offensive arsenal. But I think Sensabaugh can actually do a little bit more. And, and I think we're going to continue to see him doing that as the season goes on. We've been saying it every week, but if you aren't paying attention to Ohio State women's basketball yet, you should be because they just improved to 17-0 and over the weekend. They were actually trailing Illinois by 17 points in the third quarter, but still came back to win that game. This is a team that, you know, they're without two of their best guards right now. J.C. Sheldon's been sidelined for a while with a foot injury. Madison Green's out for a year for a knee injury, but... They're just continuing to show resiliency and continuing to look like a team that is very capable of making a final four kind of run this year. So I know they've got a game against Nebraska this weekend. Certainly they're going to, they're going to look to keep it rolling and, 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 and the way they're playing, it feels like anything is possible for that program right now. Yeah. Extremely impressive. Dan, where does the 17 to know start rank among the, the all, all time for the women's basketball program. It is the best start Ohio state has ever had Ohio state going into last week, 15 and zero was the best start in program history. So Ohio state has now surpassed that and, and we'll see how long they can keep it going. Yeah. And Dad, the, the men's team, I should mention also is going to play Minnesota on Thursday, then travel to Rutgers, which was its first big team, big 10 game of the year for a, a rematch of that hotly contested matchup in New Jersey this time. So two winnable games for Ohio state, but you know, as, as we saw on Sunday, every big 10 game is tough. And especially if Ohio state is going to be playing without its starting center. Lots of stuff happening all the time. It is the off season for college football, but I'm sure there's going to continue to be plenty of news, perhaps even by the time we've stopped recording this, but based on the fact that we had news break in the middle of recording this, there'll probably be more news that breaks between now and the time you're actually listening to this, but we will be back next week to talk about everything that's happening in Ohio State sports, and we hope you'll join us then.